0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Vancouver Eastside Vineyard Church. My name is Gordy. This is Sunday, June the 28th, the fourth Sunday after Pentecost in Ordinary Time. And today I want to talk for a few minutes about sustainability in no ordinary time. This, of course, is the time of the Christian calendar year where we are we call ordinary time. It begins after Pentecost Sunday. And is launched with Trinity Sunday, the Sunday after, and continues right up till Advent. So it's, it's that time of year where there's no special events, as it were. It's, it's ordinary time. And yet, we are in no ordinary time because we're still in the middle of a, a worldwide pandemic. And uh, we're not meeting still since March the 8th, uh, as we normally do at St. David of Wales. And this pandemic continues to cause untold suffering both here and around the world. I was uh, so impacted yesterday when I read in the paper yesterday that 1.5 billion children have been out of school and 111 million girls in the world's most impoverished nations have had to stop going to school. And there's been a rise in sexual assaults on them and and rape and, and teenage pregnancies, which really jeopardizes their chances of ever returning to school. And in our own country, we're seeing a rise of domestic abuse. Uh, through the isolation, addictions are rising. Uh, the use of internet porn is is skyrocketing. And in our own city, we have another pandemic of uh, Overdose deaths, again, directly related to COVID. So we're living in this time of that is not ordinary. It's extraordinary. And, of course, now we're moving into phases of reopening. But it's so confusing and, and murky. And, and uh, we're, we're, we want to pray the prayer of the psalm. Our psalm today is Psalm 13, which says, How long, O Lord, uh, must I wait? And we're in this time of having to be very patient and wait. And I believe that there are lessons from ordinary time that can help us in this waiting time. And I want to talk about that today. But before I do, uh, I want to invite us again just to centering and to silence. I'm going to light a candle here. And as I do, I invite you to take a few deep breaths and just receive God's love and God's welcome for you today. Know that you are welcome here in this space. This space is for you, and that Jesus loves you and welcomes you today. So take a moment, just pay attention to your body and to your mind, what's going on in your heart. Be aware of what you're feeling, and just know that wherever you are, Jesus wants to meet you there, and he's with you today. Amen. Thank you. So sustainability in no ordinary time. Well, we can't neglect what we've already talked about in the last few weeks about rhythms of rest, prayer, relationship, and work, and keeping those in view with all the upheaval of our schedules and our lives. Remember, we did that quadrant on a sheet of paper, and and we had a quadrant for each of those aspects and keeping them in balance. And of course, in the middle of the quadrant was a circle for God and our connection with God. And I want to set ordinary time today in the context of mission, because ordinary time has everything to do with mission. In fact, our our text today reminds us that God is always working, that in spite of COVID, God hasn't ceased and our mission Hasn't ceased. So what's this got to do with ordinary time? Well, you'll remember that ordinary time began with us reading the text from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, where Jesus announced to his disciples after his death, his resurrection, and he was preparing to ascend. He said to them this amazing uh, phrase, All authority is given to me in heaven and in earth something that Satan had offered to him in the, de- in the desert that he'd refused. Satan had offered him an army to march on Rome, to conquer the Romans, and he could be the next Caesar as a, as, a, as a type of Messiah. And he refused that kind of Messiah. And he became the suffering Messiah, the one who won his right to authority by overcoming hate with love, uh, by overcoming evil with good and laying down his life and he was given authority and he invited his followers to follow him in that same way and to go therefore into all nations and to make disciples baptizing them in the, into the trinity the trinitarian community and so ordinary time launched the mission of the church and on one hand, that's exciting, but on the other hand, we have a bit of a mixed feelings with regards to the word mission. It's, it's a word, especially with regards to the church, that's falling in, fallen into ill repute because so much of what has been known as mission here in North America has been colonialism, has been associated with cultural imperialism, or as the Truth and Reconciliation Report describes it as spiritual violence. What is spiritual violence? Spiritual violence is when one faith or religion denounces another faith or religion as evil and rejects wholesale. And that was how the residential schools came out, was this cultural imperialism and spiritual violence. And so we may need to find, have to find another word temporarily for the word mission because there there's so many uh, buttons that are pushed with that word but the original word for mission is actually a beautiful word it means to be sent and it's the story of a god who relentlessly was at work to restore the world and to make it right again and There's a scandal to this story because God, the creator, has chosen not to do this apart from us, the rescued ones. And it's scandalous because of the risk of knowing that we would mess it up and get it wrong over and over again. And indeed, we have. And yet, this rescue included God himself becoming a human being, living, and then dying, rising again, and, and then entrusting that mission to us to partner. So what I think might be helpful today is to reframe the word mission as hospitality. Now what I mean by that, there's so much in our text today about hospitality. Our text from Matthew chapter 10 verses 40 to 42 are three short verses that contain a reference to hospitality or receiving or welcoming no less than eight times in three short verses. And when you think about it, there's so much about Jesus' life and mission. It was about hospitality. So much of his work was done when he was either uh, a guest in someone's home, eating with someone, or he was feeding people. Uh, So much of his life and ministry was around this aspect of hospitality and there's way more to hospitality than just having somebody over for dinner or giving someone a place to sleep. It can include those things, but you can actually do those things, as I've talked about homestays in the past few months, who've, had, who've told us experiences where they, they had those things, but they, there wasn't hospitality extended. They didn't feel welcome. So there's more to hospitality than just the physicality. Those are good But you can actually not do those things and still be hospitable. Because hospitality has to do with receiving. It has to do, when you look at the Greek word in this text, it has to do with receiving someone. And and there are two aspects to hospitality that you see in the scriptures, in the gospel, and in the kingdom. And it has to do with both the act of receiving and giving. There are two parties involved. And so hospitality is not just about having someone in your home. It could actually also include what Jesus did most of the time. He was a guest. What if we thought of our mission as guests? God came to earth as a guest. Jesus was often a guest. And when you're a guest in someone's home, there's an aspect of respect. There's an aspect of being vulnerable, of being willing to receive what they offer you. And to respect that you don't walk into their home and say you know i don't like that picture i think i'll take it down what if our mission to indigenous people here in north america would have been with a with a posture of being guests of coming as receivers and learners and humbling ourselves and and through that finding out that the creator was already at work yes there were things that the gospel would provide healing and and further understanding for but the Creator was already at work and so there's an aspect of hospitality that is so much about being a guest. Now Jesus also functioned of course as a host sometimes but he had to be very creative because he didn't have his home. He didn't have a home to welcome people into usually and so it was a campfire by the Sea of Galilee where he cooked fish or it was the feeding of the 5,000 or it was welcoming his, the seeker friends at the beginning of his ministry somewhere in the desert where they were sitting perhaps under a tree. But hospitality has to do with creating space for someone. It has to do with saying, I value you. You are precious to me. You are important to me. You matter to me. So you can exercise hospitality just standing on a street corner at our church coffee break or having coffee with somebody. It's creating space for them and being lovingly present to them. And hospitality is so powerful because it declares to people the the image of God, what God is like. It, It tells people that God is good. Now, what do we mean when we say God is good? Well, we mean that God is for you. We mean that God is on your side, that God desires your best. He loves you and desires your flourishing, that you you be well in mind, body, spirit, and in every aspect of your life. That's God's desire for you. And so hospitality communicates this, that God is love. And if God is love, as we've said previously, then whatever is loving is God. It's an expression of God. And it reminds me of of a very key moment in my life when I was a teenager. I was 16 years old. And I was a, I was a, a basketball star. I was the high scorer in my team and in my school league. And I was scoring over 20 points a, a game. But I was miserable. And I was getting more and more miserable. And part of that was due to the fact that I was very lonely and I had taken on my false self. Now, remember, we've talked about the false self before. The the false self is where we, my identity is, is what I've achieved, or what I possess, or what people think of me. And I've been raised in a very strict religious home where my spirituality is about what I couldn't do. And a lot of what my friends did, I couldn't do, the things like dances and parties and going to movies, where they could socially connect, I wasn't allowed to do. And so I was finding myself very lonely as a teenager, and so I found my identity in sports. That was the one thing I could do, but it, was, it, it, it created this self-hatred when I did badly, and I had a vicious swearing problem, and one day uh, I was playing and having a bad day and swearing, and my coach got fed up. It was a practice, and he kicked me off the team, and it was before the biggest tournament of the year. And I was devastated, and that very same day, for the same reason, a, a, a girl that I was very attracted to, and we had had a growing friendship, broke off the relationship. She was fed up with it, too. And I went home just devastated. And I went into my bedroom, and my parents had given me this living Bible of, uh, sometime before, and i had hardly ever read it, but I picked it up and it opened up to 1 Corinthians 13. And these words I read, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or pride or proud. And I think I didn't learn till later you could do this, but instinctively I began to read these words. God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy, is not boastful or proud. How about this? God does not dishonor others. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily honored, or angered, rather. God keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. God always protects. God always trusts me. God always hopes in me. God always perseveres for me. Wow. That was just the best news I'd ever heard in my whole life. And something came out of me where I just said, God, I can't love like this. I need you. And like John Wesley 300 years before, my heart was strangely warmed with a love that came into my life, my heart, it felt like I came home to myself, to my true self which is a beloved child of God, which is our true identity. I came home and over the next year, I found myself loving my classmates, my friends, giving them space and accepting accepting them unconditionally. Because for the first time in my life at that moment, I felt that I was loved, not for what I did, but for simply who I was. I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to prove anything. I was loved. And over the next year, I was able to just show that love in so many ways to classmates, sitting in classes with tears in their eyes, because I was just just able to be a a loving presence. And and, uh, by the way, that love prompted me to go to my coach, just to tell you the end of this story. And I apologized and I said, I'm so sorry for what I did. And without hesitation, he said, patted me on the shoulder and said, it's okay, let's go. He put me back on the team. And that weekend I had the, mo- the most incredible, I scored over hundred points in the tournament. We were runners up, but I scored over hundred points. Well, it was one of the greatest weekends of my life. Now I didn't get the girl, but that was God's mercy because he was saving me for Kathleen. And aren't you glad? And aren't I glad? So, But the the problem is, is that over the coming, the years following, religion darkened that experience for me. And I lost that at times because of religion. I think religion is one of the greatest enemies to love. Uh, I think that that's why Jesus had so much trouble with religion and the Pharisees. And often he found people more loving outside the institution, outside the church of that time. And that's often been the case today, sadly. So this is the essence of the good news in our mission, is hospitality. And I would like to say that when a child is born, psychologists say they experience what's called mirroring, where they look into the eyes of the ones who love them more than anyone. And in that mirroring, they know who they are as a beloved child worthy of love. And I believe hospitality is mirroring. It's telling people you are special, you are loved. Both whether you're a guest, because when you go to someone's home as a guest, you're loving them. When you have someone in your home as a guest, you're loving them. There's two people involved. There's interconnection. And so I want to invite you, as we move into ordinary time, keeping these other four quadrants in mind, is to consider mission as hospitality. How is Jesus inviting us to be creative in giving space to others like he did when he was on earth? This summer with the weather nicer, we can take advantage of the outdoors. Uh, I'm mindful of Jen, she does her bread runs and and Gloria has been faithfully helping her. It's a beautiful aspect of hospitality. I think of our guys as we meet for uh, pub night out alone with friends <laughs> on Zoom as we get our favorite beverage, whether alcoholic or non-alcoholic, and enjoy just fellowshipping together like we did on Friday night. And think of the Pallisters and their amazingly creative events to, to celebrate milestones while still f- following the, the guidelines of our health authorities at this time. So it's it's not going to be an exact science, but can I say be kind to each other be gracious to each other in this time. Be creative. Look for ways to be, uh, to connect. And, and, uh, we, we, we're experiencing this even with our neighbors. And we have a little, little uh, girl next door. She's seven years old. And I'm going to invite Kathleen here as we launch our summer, just to come and share this little story with you.
1: Hi, everybody. This, uh, stone if you can see it it says hi be happy or hi happy and this was placed on our doorstep just a few days ago by Olivia who is our neighbor and I felt like it was an invitation to a shared space like Gordy's been talking about today shared space is a mission of hospitality and my heart was so warmed, and I immediately felt joyful. I wanted to pick the rock up, I wanted to hold it, and I wanted to bring it into our home. And as a result, Gordy, of course, saw it. He's already thanked Olivia. I had a chance to talk to her about it and thank her so much for it. And it opened up more opportunity to talk to her mom and dad, and opened up more opportunity to introduce my son to her yesterday with his two dogs. And so this is an invitation when you give a gift, it's an invitation to receive, it's an invitation in your heart to overflow and return something that's been so preciously given. You want to share it and you want to give something back.
0: Mm. Yeah, you know, I had a picture of of weights, you know, when runners, <coughs> excuse me, go for a run, sometimes they run with weights and it, it develops their fitness. And I feel like exercising hospitality in this COVID time when it, Seems like all the rules are against hospitality, are a way for us to practice so that when things return to some kind of normalcy, there will be just a new fitness in us with regards to practicing hospitality. So I just bless you to do that. I want to finish by reading uh, 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 this text that we've read on our Zoom call from Matthew chapter twenty or ten, verses forty to forty-two where Eugene Peterson says, we are intimately linked in this harvest work. Anyone who accepts what you do accepts me, the one who sent you. And anyone who accepts what I do accepts my Father who sent me. Accepting a messenger of God is as good as being God's messenger. Accepting someone's help is as good as giving someone help. Wow. I want to read that again. Accepting someone's help is as good as giving someone help. This is a large work I've called you into. But don't be overwhelmed. And this is so important, dear ones, because we can, we can judge ourselves and be impatient with ourselves. And sometimes I'm the worst at that. But he he goes on and says, it's big work, but don't get overwhelmed by it. It's best to start small. Give a cool cup of water to someone who's thirsty, for instance. The smallest act of giving or receiving makes you a true apprentice. You won't lose out on a thing. May God empower you and bless you as you step into Mission is hospitality, grace and peace.